But I want to get into a new series. Now, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you might remember, well, I don't even remember how long ago, but it wasn't that long ago, I preached three separate messages, and I said each of them would become a series uh, in the future. And uh, we did one of those series, and today we're starting the second series. And today's series is called Saved to Serve. And specifically, we are saved to serve the Lord. I want to begin this morning with a story. And this is a story actually about uh, my wife's dad, who has passed on now, but many, many years ago, he was married to his first wife, and they had a little baby. And they were needing to travel somewhere. He didn't have a vehicle, but they uh, were able to get a ride from a farmer in an old pickup truck. They in the truck going for the drive, and so there was the farmer driving. Uh, my wife's dad was in the passenger seat, and his wife was in the back holding a little baby on her lap. She was holding a little baby on her lap, and they were driving, but you see, the thing is, the truck was really old, and there was a hole in the floor, and of course, there was a hole in the exhaust pipes kind of all the way through. And without realizing as they were driving, the exhaust was coming in. And they'd driven for quite a while when the mom of the baby's holding screamed because she realized all this time she thought the baby was sleeping, but the baby wasn't sleeping. The baby had suffocated from the exhaust fumes. And she screamed, they pulled over, the baby was no longer breathing, was cold. And my wife's dad at that time was serving kind of a different religion, his background. But for some reason at that moment, he didn't call on any spirits or anything of that sort. Somehow deep inside, he called on God, the one true God. And he said, God, if you're real, save my baby and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. He hollered that out emotionally and I know there were tears and suddenly the baby began to breathe. You know, and I'd like to say that immediately he began to serve God, but he didn't. But yet the seeds were planted and later in life he would be introduced to Jesus and he would accept Christ and he would serve God with his life. Maybe you've heard stories like this where someone has said, God, if you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Why is that? It's because deep inside, every human being knows that they were created to serve the one true God. It's no different for you and I. We were created to serve him. And I want to look at this today, the fact that you and I are saved to serve the Lord. Because you see, mankind was in a fallen world now, and those many who don't know God have no intention of serving him. But sometimes in deep crisis, something deep inside says, I know I'm supposed to. You see, Jesus came that we could freely serve once again. In Hebrews 9.14, we read this. It says, how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice, 
that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. Christ paid that price for our sins to be forgiven, but also so that we could serve the living God. In John chapter 12 and verse 26, I'm going to read a verse. It's in the message translation, so it might be a little different than you're used to. It says this, if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Now, I want you to look at this verse for just a minute because you'll see it's Christ saying, if anyone wants to serve me, then follow me. He flips the words, but basically what he is saying clearly is, if you're wanting to follow me, you'll serve me. The two go together. To follow Christ means to serve him. To serve Christ means you're following him. You see, he spoke this to men and women who were literally going to follow him around. They were going to walk from place to place. They were going to camp out at people's homes and sometimes maybe real camping like some of you did this summer in tents or probably not tents back then, but they would definitely camp. They were going to follow him. And he's making it clear, hey, if you're really following me, you'll serve. In other words, being a Christian requires service. You see, you could not actually call yourself a Christ follower if you weren't serving him. Being a Christian is not a title. It's a lifestyle of serving the Lord. Serving in the way that he's called and put in you. And you and I, if we're here today as believers, we understand that serving him is something we do. But even more than just something we do, if you read scripture, as a believer, serving is not just something we do, it's something we are. In Daniel chapter 3, we read a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were three believers of the one true God, and they ended up in government positions. And the king of that day said, I'm going to make a big idol, and everybody has to bow down to it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to an idol. They said, no, we are only bow or worship the one true God. We can't bow to your idol. And the king got angry, and he said, I'm going to throw you into a burning furnace and you know, there's nothing going to save you from that. You better listen to me. And they said, listen, king, you can throw us in the furnace. And even if it means we're going to lose our lives, we will not bow. So Nebuchadnezzar had the furnace heated hotter. He sent guards to throw them in the furnace. When the guards threw them in the furnace, the heat was so hot, the guards died. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace unhurt, walking. In Daniel chapter 3, 26, we read this. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. He called them by who they were, servants of the Most High God servants of the one true God. 
You see, if you're a believer, serving is not just something you do, it's who you are. And I have a question for you this morning. Would those around you call you a servant of God? Or do they even know? You see, servants of God, at some point, there comes a place in your work situation, family situation, where what you believe determines how you act. And it becomes clear to everybody, you are a servant of God. Those are great moments, maybe difficult, but great. I find this story interesting because... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so loved and served God that they were willing to even lose their lives. I want to encourage each of you today, serving God may require something of you, but it's worth it. Don't only serve God if it's going to be really super easy. I'll serve God if it's just fun. There will be hard days serving God. There will be days that you think, why did I sign up for that? But it will be worth it. When we serve God, it's good. Now, there are different ways that you and I can serve God. And I'm just going to give you some basic ones here today. Some basic ones as believers that we do because we love Him. One of the things as a believer serving God, we take time to pray regularly. In Matthew 6 and verse 5, Jesus is teaching a little bit about prayer. And listen to what he says. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, And your Father who sees in secret will award you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So Jesus taught his followers how to pray, and he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray. You see, prayer is something that is regular and ongoing. Jesus taught his followers how to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, if you remember, part of the prayer is give us this day our daily bread. It meant prayer was a daily occurrence. And of course, Jesus demonstrated how important prayer was, and he prayed often, and sometimes early in the morning, sometimes in the evening. Prayer is something you do in service to God because of who you are. You and I should have a lifestyle or habit of prayer. And church, if you've started to forget about prayer, I want to encourage you to get back into it. I'm talking about in your personal life. Yes, even here at church. And in the essence of prayer, he spoke there that prayer should not be used to be showing off. Now, we know Jesus did have public prayer. We know he prayed for people to be healed in front of multitudes. But he is telling them clearly prayer is not meant to show off. You see it? came to the point that some of the Pharisees, they only prayed if it was going to make them look good. So they would pray long and repetitive prayers, standing on corners for everybody to see. That's not okay. 
But praying at church is a good thing. Praying in a group of people is healthy and scriptural. Prayer for your personal life. Do you pray in the mornings or the evening? Do you take time to pray at different times in the day? And by prayer, again, I don't mean where you have to get down on your knees in front of everybody at work and make a big show. That would have been what the Pharisees did. You can pray under your breath, walking along with your hard hat and your goggles and pulling stuff from the mill. Or maybe your job is a mechanic. You're pulling wrenches. You can be praying under your breath while you're pulling wrenches. That's the whole point he was saying. Let prayer be a part of you, but don't do it to show off. So serving him in prayer, David was someone who loved to pray. And he prayed often. In Psalm 55, verse 16, we read this about David. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he will hear my voice. In other words, any time of day that he could, David was praying. So as believers, we can serve the Lord in prayer. Also, we serve the Lord as believers by habitually getting together in a place of public worship. Another name for that is church. You see, this thing called church was God's idea. The Lord Jesus said that he would build his church. And the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. So church was Jesus' idea. And that word church meant a group of people getting together to publicly worship. And that's what we do here in church. The doors are open. We're online to let people know anybody's welcome. So it is something God wants us to do. In Psalm 26 and verse 8, we're talking about David again. And here's what he says. Lord... I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. David wanted to be in God's presence. Now, I know today that as believers, the Holy Spirit allows us to feel his presence no matter where we are. We can feel his presence absolutely anywhere, but there is something special about getting together in a uh, one accord that allows there to be a presence even in the room, that allows us to experience something more. That happens when you get together with believers. Psalm 27, verse 4, David speaks to the same thing again. He says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David desired to be there in God's temple. And you almost get the feeling that he's praying, Lord, when I'm done being the king, I would just love to be in your temple doing something. I had one elderly lady tell me more than once, I can't wait till I'm retired because then I'm going to hang around the church and help out. (laughs) Just a desire to be where God's presence is. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 is a verse I've read before. Let me read it again to you. It says, we must hold tightly to the hope we say is ours. After all, we can trust the one who made the agreement with us. We should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have given up the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially 
since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting close. Scripture tells us make sure and get together even more as the day gets closer. Well, every week the day gets closer. And I want to encourage you, let church gathering together be something that you make important. You know, I've been serving God for many, many years since I was a teenager. And my wife and I have actually been here in Slave Lake for 25 years now. Not ministering at this church, but in Slave Lake. And I've seen something over the years that almost always plays out the same. And I've seen that often people who get offended or maybe they just get bored or they get this idea that they're going to quit church, they don't need church. And when they do, you see them slowly disappear and eventually even backslide. And I've seen it so many times that I've realized there's a reason, there's a connection. And I want to say this. This is a statement I believe I can say that is accurate. For most, maybe not all, but for most, attending church is the first step to following Christ. And quitting church is the first step to backsliding. I've seen it over and over. I want to encourage you as believers Say yes to God about joining together. Why do we do it? We do it so that we can reach out to our world. We do it so that we can grow. We do it so that we have accountability with one another. We do it so that God can work on our issues. You know, the best way to find out your issues, get in a group of people who are different. Somebody will push a button and you'll realize, oh, I need this. Don't instead... When someone says something to you or does something, get upset and quit. You know, I find it interesting that in Jesus' time, those that followed him said they would serve him with their lives. And they were willing to even die for him. And some did. And here today, many of us, we've come to Christ and we've said, I will serve him no matter what. And then somebody says something you didn't like. <gasps> How dare they? I'm quitting. I'm leaving. Well, I thought you said you are going to serve him with your life. Did you know you can't grow if you get offended every time somebody says or does something? You can't. You have got to be determined that you're going to press forward and let those things mature you. You want to become a mature Christian? Get ready for people to offend you a little bit. Actually, by the way, offense is actually your own choice. You don't have to get offended by anything. That's your choice. But get, let me put it this way. Get ready for someone to say something you don't like. Get ready for someone to say something that's different than the way you think it should be. We just came through a season where people argued about absolutely everything concerning vaccines, sickness, politicians. Oh my goodness. There were so many good reasons to get mad and not go anywhere. Thankfully, you guys didn't choose that. That's why you're here. But maybe someone is listening to this message online. I want to encourage you right now, if you have quit going to your church, wherever your church is, go back to church. You're needed there and you need to keep growing. 
God's word said continue it till the day he returns. Church is where we're encouraged to love and do good works. It's where we're held accountable by others and it's where we grow together as a body of believers. We need each other. We need one another. It's why God's made us a body of believers. And also as we look at serving God, so we serve him through prayer, through regularly attending a gathering, and also we serve him by doing the things that please him or as his word says, by being obedient. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, we're jumping into a story about King Saul. And King Saul had decided he wasn't going to obey God. He was told the place that they were going to do battle, he was supposed to destroy everything, but the people convinced him, just bring back all the sheep and cattle and you know, don't destroy them. So he does, and when the prophet says, what are you doing? I thought God said to get rid of them. He says, oh, well, we brought them back. We're going to give them as an offering to God. And this is Samuel's reply to King Saul, chapter 15, 22. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Obedience is better than sacrifice. The Lord wants us to be obedient to what he's telling us in our lives. And I'm going to make a statement here as a pastor. I want to say this. Don't be fooled by the thought of, I'm just going to work and work and work and not go to church, but I'll give an offering. Now, we are so thankful for those who give and the offerings, but you know what? That's similar to what Saul did. He kind of went with the pressure around him. I'll just bring all this wealth back, but that's okay. I'll give some of it to God. I want to encourage you, don't do that. Don't let work overtake you, but oh, I'll feel okay because I'll just put in some more offering. Again, as a church, we're thankful for your offerings, but don't do that. Be obedient to him. Take time for him. Don't let money or work become your God. John 8 and verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, Jesus even made it clear in New Testament times that being obedient to what he's taught is part of being a follower or a servant. And he tells them being faithful to his teachings, which means obeying and doing the things he taught. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The context here is not just hearing it. The context is knowing it and taking action. You want to walk in freedom. You want to walk in joy. You want to walk in the promises that God has laid out here. Then you need to hear them and step into them. Obedience, doing it as he's directed. When you do that, I guarantee There's freedom and there's joy. The number one way we can serve the Lord 
is by reaching people. You see, because it is the Lord's heart and desire that no one should perish. He died on a cross and rose again for those around us. And I'm going to finish this morning. It's going to take a little bit to wrap it up, but I'm, I'm getting there. I've got one more portion of scripture I want to read. And I want you to see the greatest way that we can serve God. Matthew 9 and verse 36. I got to speak a little bit behind before it comes up. But this is Jesus. He's just been in an area and he's been healing people. He's been uh, casting out spirits, setting people free. And it said he looked up when he saw there's so many people. In verse 36, he says this. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is a really great picture of Jesus as he's there. Remember, he's the son of God, but he is in a human body and he's only one person. And he realizes that he is not alone going to be able to meet the need of the people. He sees these many people and he sees them. He says they're weary and scattered. I want you and I to see that there is a harvest of people all around us. There are people in our community that need Jesus. And when I bring this, I want you to see that everybody around us needs Jesus. Sometimes when we read this, we only think of the worst of the worst. Yeah, they need Jesus. The guy you work with needs Jesus too. The politician needs Jesus. The wealthy man or woman who looks like they've got it all together needs Jesus. His speaking here was they were weary and scattered. They didn't have direction. You can have someone with all the money in the world and they're waking up in the morning wondering why they're here. Without direction and purpose, people are lost. What's the definition of being lost? You don't know where you are and can't figure out where you're going. That's the definition of lost. There's a lot of people in our community that don't know where they're going and aren't too sure how to get there. Has anybody here ever been lost in the bush? I remember getting lost in the bush once when I was younger. I grew up on a farm. We had a couple quarter sections. And on the home quarter section, we had a lot of swamp down in the one area. And I would sometimes just go hiking through and it was thick uh, pines in the swamp and you had to kind of go from bump to bump so you didn't sink in, get stuck there. And I remember I was going to go through this swamp to the other side of the property and there would be a big fence there and a little, there's a little hill. I've been there before. But I didn't take a trail, I just headed through the bush. And I was really focused on jumping from bump to hump because I didn't want to sink through. And I went for quite a while and then I noticed, oh, it's, it's opening up, I must be where I'm supposed to be. And I came out and I was so confused. It was like, how come this field looks wrong? 
And it was this strange feeling. And here, hopping bump to bump, I had done a complete circle and came back out in the field that I left. But my mind was so convinced I was supposed to be at the other side, it took me a few minutes to realize what I'd done. That's being lost. Sometimes you think you know where you're going and you don't. See, there are so many people that need God's direction. From the lowest person who's struggling on the street to the wealthiest person in Slave Lake who doesn't know God. Each of them is a part of the harvest and you are put here to reach somebody in between. You know, not everybody is gifted to reach the one on the street and not everybody is gifted and has what it takes to reach the one who's wealthy and doesn't think they need anything. What gift has he given you? He's placed you here in Slave Lake for a reason. And the greatest way you can serve him is to be a part of his harvest. Because the harvest is ready. You see, Jesus had compassion for those people that he saw that were weary and had no direction. But the interesting thing, he got his followers together and he didn't say, let's pray for those people that I'm concerned about. He didn't say, let's just have a little gathering and pray that God meets their needs. No, not at all. He said, we need to pray that God sends people who know how to work where they are. Okay, now we're getting to where the rubber meets the road. You see, the, the thing is, Jesus had already prayed for the people. Jesus spent time with his followers praying about stuff all the time, but he saw right there the people in our community, the people around him, didn't need one more prayer meeting for them. They needed actual people who would get up and come alongside them to make a difference. That's called working in the harvest. So I got a question for you as we wrap up today. Are you willing to get your hands a little dirty in his harvest? Are you willing to lace up the boots? Are you willing to speak and to help and to care for people in our community, whatever they are on that spectrum, where your gifts are? Are you willing to make a difference? Because they don't need you to take another prayer for God to somehow miraculously help them. They need you to use what you've got and help them. You see, that person you work with, you might not know this, but every morning they're waking up wondering why they're alive, but they come to work smiling like everything's perfect. And they're wondering what you have. Are you willing to talk about it? Or are you embarrassed? Oh, I don't want everybody to know I'm, I'm religious. Well, you're not religious anyways. You're a Christian. It's different. Don't be afraid to be that person. Don't be afraid to invite people to where you go to church. I hope you're okay with your church and you're willing to invite others. You know, if you're like, I come to my church, but it's scary. I wouldn't invite anybody else. I hope that's not anybody here. Invite others. Encourage them to come where you are and let them see you worship. It just might change their life. It just might cause them to be transformed. Because you and I were called to the harvest. I'm going to pray with you something really important. I want to do what Jesus did. It's because after Jesus told them, pray for people to be sent into the harvest, the next chapter, the next verse, he gathers them together again. 
And he says, okay, you prayed, now I'm going to empower you, I'm sending you out. I don't know if he tricked them just into praying about it first, but he already had a plan. Come on, guys, it's you and I. So church, come on, it's you and I. If you were thinking, oh, I know a person who'd be great at the harvest, well, stop, you'll be great at the harvest. You'll be great at reaching people right where God's put you. So I want to pray that over you, and then as I finish the prayer, we're just going to declare and say that we or I will serve the Lord for the rest of my life. And I want you to say it today. Don't wait for a life or death experience to tell God. Just do it, okay? So let's do that as Brendan comes and gets ready. Lord, I thank you today for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, I thank you that this is a blessed group of people who are willing to serve you. And Lord, I just pray empowerment over them right now. Lord, that you would give them the boldness, the favor, the wisdom to see when someone needs them to talk or pray. Lord, that you would just make it so clear that they would transform those around them. I declare it over your body of believers now in Jesus' name. Okay, now I want you to uh, say this with me. We're going to declare it today. I will serve the Lord for the rest of my life, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to say that. One, two, three. I will serve the Lord for the rest of my life. 